What's up, everyone? Metal Dave Glessner here, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster, bringing you another episode of the Talk Louder podcast. Today, we're joined for the second time by one of my guitar heroes, Tracy Guns, is with us today. Uh, we've had Tracy on the show before. If you go check our archives on our website, talklouderpodcast.com, you can look up that previous episode. Uh, today, we're talking to him about his latest project. He's got a band called Blackbird Angels. They just put out a new album called Soul Sort. Uh, the core of the band is Tracy and Todd Kearns. Um, Todd is the bass player in Slash's band, and he's an amazing singer. He does lead vocals on this record with Tracy. Uh, our friend Adam Hamilton plays drums on the record. Adam has been instrumental in the background with L.A. Guns. He played drums on the last L.A. Guns record. And then rounding out the live band is Johnny Martin from L.A. Guns and guitarist Sam Bam Colton from Faster Pussycat. So a lot in the works with Tracy, brand new album, great songs. Um, I think he was telling us that it's heavily influenced by his 70s record collection. Uh, I think everything Tracy does has a bit of his 70s record collection in it. But uh, anyway, he was gracious enough to wake up early in L.A. and spend some time with us today talking about Blackbird Angels. Do you want to hear something bizarre? This is going to sound completely non sequitur. Hi, Dave. How are you? Guess what Tracy showed me? He showed me a hairy yardbird pick. Wait, let me see if I can find a hair so we can reenact this. <laughs> There's cat hair everywhere. Uh. I can imagine that there was a hair on there. I go, look, I got a yardbird pick. <laughs> the first thing out of Tracy's mouth today. It is early where Tracy is. Listen, look, I found a yardbird's pick. I said, the first thing out of my mouth was, does it have a hair on it? <laughs> and I said, I replied, yes, and I removed the hair. Bizarro. <laughs> Completely bizarro. Tracy, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, Th thanks for having me. And David, thanks for the text. Oh, you're welcome. Man. I was like, it was like, Dang! I'm like, what the fuck's that? And I'm like, oh, I thought it was noon my time. Mm. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, he, you know, I almost didn't send it because I didn't want to bother you. But in hindsight, I'm glad I did, because uh, Jason and I would be sitting here for another two hours wondering, when are we going to kick this off? <laughs> no. Thank you for letting us wake you up, man. I appreciate it. Oh, my, my absolute pleasure. Like I waited all week. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to talk to these guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Now, what am I going to do until then? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you've been working on that truck. Tell us a little yeah. bit about that truck. What make and model, what year? I know it's like a hot rod pickup truck or something. Yeah, it's a 1959 GMC Apache 100. And um, I'm starting to think it was a stolen truck. <laughs> You know, because mm. the paperwork is all very suspicious, and um, the VIN number's been shaved Fitz, off. Fitz is actually doing more work than I am because these I can't really, you know, take too many chances with the money makers. You know, so yeah. so you know, I've been removing a lot of things, and we took the rear hub off the passenger side. There were there were no brakes in it, like ever. <laughs> Like it's like like well wait a minute this guy said that he drove this it's like no no he didn't wow <laughs> you know but it, it's it's everything's there uh, we we converted everything to disc brakes this week and that's done and now we're gonna uh, we're gonna pray a lot uh, we've lubricated the 
interior of the motor. And today, I think it's the day we're going to hook a battery up to it and go, come on, ice cream. Nice. Does it have yeah. uh, Does it have seat belts? It doesn't even have a seat right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you won't be driving it anytime soon. Maybe just turning the engine over. No, man, you put a milk crate in there, Dave. Exactly. Come on. Rock <laughs> and roll. Exactly. That's, so are you... That's, are you are you a gearhead? Or are you, I, I didn't know this about you. Are you you like taking car? I know you're into vintage stuff. You drive a, an old uh, station wagon. Now you got this yeah. hot rod, and you're into eight track tapes and stuff. Do you? Yeah, have you always been kind of a car guy. Always. My dad was a drag racer. And my uncle was a road racer. Oh, so wow. you know, I grew up with guitars and cars. Like that's really been my life. This is this will be my fourth restoration. Oh, wow. and, I, and, and I don't want to call it restoration. This is the fourth time I'm going to bring a car back from the dead. <laughs> oh, okay. that's, 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 that's the better fair. way. Yeah. 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 Well, we wish you luck with that. And uh, we hope you're safe when you do finally get that. thing running. It looks hey, like... Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to just to put on top of the, the guitars and cars kind of thing. Where, where were you born and, and grow? Where'd you, cause I, 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 if I knew I forgot, Old age, whatever. Where are you? Um, where'd you start? I was born here. I oh. was born at uh, Cedars of Lebanon Hospital on, um, let's see, I guess it's on Hollywood Boulevard, but now it's the headquarters for the Scientology. So, <laughs> okay. so may, may, maybe right. I'm a product of Xenu. <laughs> wow. Nanu, Nanu. Yeah. <laughs> bot. bot. So bon, bon Scott was talking to you via Mork for Mork. That's what happened. <laughs> and then, and then now here I am. But, he, but my, my homes, um, this was my grandparents' house that I live in now. Um, that's pretty And cool. it's been here since the day I was born. So I've always been, I, I actually started playing guitar in this house when I was six. Wow. So I, I haven't... Cool. I haven't gone very far. Yeah. Well, the rent's locked in, right? I mean, it's paid off. And so you're yeah, sitting pretty there. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's easy living. Yeah. Do you know Jimmy Ashurst? I do. Yeah. He told me that I guess he lives right on Sunset Boulevard and his place is, I don't know what the story is, but the rent is like either locked in really cheap or it's paid off or something. He's another one of those guys that is, probably sitting in a piece of property right now that would cost, you know, an oh, yeah. sum of money. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem is, is if, if I cashed out, right. Like right now, my property tax on two houses is about 900 bucks a year. <laughs> because God, the, killing the, me, man. Because the, the homes have never changed uh, names. They've been in my family's name, like, you know, since 1955. Wow. Um, so if I were to sell, um, either one of these, this one in particular, and go buy something of equal value, I'd be paying like triple rent of like anywhere else. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it's like, so, so I'm not ever going anywhere. And, and the houses are in both my boys' names anyway. So there you yeah, go. You, you've homestead, you've homesteaded the fuck out of that. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. This is it. And your boys will appreciate that one day, big time. <laughs> they better yeah right <laughs> you got caught dave there quickly hey listen uh the, they'll 
what they should appreciate is that 900 bucks a year. That's what I'm saying. That, that that's the that's the golden nugget right there yeah. because yeah. California tax, I don't want to even know. 900 oh, bucks a year, that's smooth. The rest of this yeah. is free, you know. You know, check check this out. So, you know, I've been in Denmark a lot for the last 5 years and people always complain here about how, how high taxes are there. But what you get for your taxes there is amazing, right? You get you get a peaceful life. And it's yes. worth every penny. I was talking to my friend Victoria, who's Australian, and she lives here. And she was right. The tax rate is about the same in California. But we have shitty streets and... We have to pay for medical insurance, you know, like all that stuff. And, and then I, I looked at my taxes in both countries. I'm paying way more tax here in California than Denmark. Yeah. You, you like know, overall so, or, or property tax? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you o do overall. all the math yeah. where, where the tax rate, like if I was just an employee um, somewhere making what I make, which isn't as much as people think, um, it comes in at 40%. And then I have to pay for my insurance and my kids' insurance and all these things on top of that. So I'm, pay I'm actually paying way more. Like out-of-pocket expenses living in LA versus living in Denmark is way more. Man. Makes yeah, sense, I, though. I, I think it's bad. It in, yeah, I, I think it's bad in Austin, and it is bad, but I, I can't imagine what it's like in LA. It's got to just be... Well, I mean, the, the, the difference is... is, is like over there, people make a living wage. So like, you know, if you want to call it minimum wage, it's like $27 an hour is what you'd start making right out of high school working at McDonald's. And and like average rent for a one-bedroom apartment <clears throat> for a single person is about 1100 bucks a month. You know, and that's, and that's normal, like, you know, good stuff. You know, here, <clears throat> you know, 15 bucks, taking home, you know, eight bucks, you know, trying to live in a studio apartment in Austin or LA, you know, starting at $1,600 a month. Yeah. I don't know how people do it here. I mean, that's not what this podcast is about, but I just wanted to express my reality check. Oh, yeah. I think that, I think that it's very, very interesting because it's people of a certain age that are probably watching this crap in the first place. So they're going to understand uh, just right. it, yeah, it's hard enough to be, to be a working musician I don't care who you are because yeah. shit costs money. And this is just one of the things that costs money. They don't, they, oh, 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 musicians get free. You know, they live for free. They eat for free. No, right. no, we don't get shit. For no, free. no, no, no. And our children don't either. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, Jagger goes to, uh, he's in high school now and he's part of the football team. And, Man, they milk you. Yeah, oh. like you know, we need this for these guys. We need this. We need this. It's like it's a public school. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? You know, when I went to all the way through high school, I played football. I did everything, and we didn't have any money. And, and but they didn't ask for any money for right. Anything. I mean, you know, times are times are different in, right now in this country. It's pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. My my son is in high school and in the, in the marching band, and I I hear you. It's like uh, there's a fundraiser all the time. They're always looking for money. They need supplies. They need this. Yeah. They need the uniforms. Blah 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 blah. The travel, etc. So exactly. Yeah. 
Well, there you have it, folks. An economics class with Tracy Guns on the Talk Louder podcast. <laughs> I have one more non sequitur. Every time you post a video or something and you're in that room or whatever, I always Google. Yes, you knew Zodiac. where my brain was going. The Zodiac fucking poster. Mind. That poster is gold. Uh, listeners and not watchers were talking about Zodiac and the Mind Warp. Uh, Zodiac Mind Warp and the Love Reaction poster that Tracy has framed on the wall. That's the only one I've ever seen. I've never seen one in person. Uh, yeah. It's always open for those guys in San Antonio, right? Like yeah. between the time we, we got signed and a record was recorded, we we went to San Antonio and got put on the bill via the label. And it was Rad. an experience. I was just like, whoa, these guys smell like patchouli and sweat <laughs> yeah. and whiskey. And they're insane. And I ended up yes. hanging out with a cobalt stargazer. Yes. yes. That's, his, just that's like, his given name. I just like saying his, well, you just blew my mind again. Cause I was like, who names their fucking kid cobalt stargazer? <laughs> well, we would. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I guess I guess you're right. It's not, it's not Fred. So, well, yeah. I love the, it. the significance of this is, um, they were label mates on Vertigo records. You know, right. when, when, when the late, that label relaunched with us and, and Zodiac mine war mm. and, um, you know, there's Zodiac Mind Warp. They're just like so eclectic and, and cool. But the but the deal with this is is that this was Aces, and oh. and he gave it to our old manager somehow, and then my old manager didn't want it, and I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. And so it's kind of like full circle kind of thing for me. It like when I look at this, I'm like, oh, I'm 21. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm 21. Yeah, that's why I keep my room like this. So. See, yeah. see, keeps well, you young, talk. man. It does. It does. Let's talk about uh, your new album. Uh, you got a band called Blackbird Angels. Uh, the core of the group is you and Todd Kearns. Todd, of course, plays with Slash. Um, tell us a little bit about. First of all, let's start with the album title. What? How do you? Oh, what is it? It's, it's it's hard to pronounce, but Americans or English speaking people should just call it soul sort. Soul sort. Okay. What soul is sort. the meaning of that? Blackbirds. Oh, okay. Great. In Danish. Okay. Okay. Yes. So it's all starting to tie together now. So you have this album and if I'm not mistaken, the album cover is based on a photograph that you took. Is that right? Yeah. It's so weird. You know, we were, the label was just starting to like throw around ideas for logos and, and, you know, album art and stuff like that. And Fitz and I were out front, like he was playing, he has this little mini golf thing that, that he has out in the front yard and I'm standing out there and I looked up at the chimney and there was two blackbirds just sitting up there. And I'm like, Ooh, I got to take a picture of those guys. And as soon as I turned around with the camera, they flew away. But I was just like, and that's, I took that fucking picture, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's so, awesome. Yeah. It, thanks, man. That's, that's probably the most artistic thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> right. It's like a, a, an art department couldn't come up with that. It's just no, like, no so, way. 
so coincidental and it's awesome it, that bird just looks you know kind of menacing and kind of beautiful all at the same time and it's black so it's you know almost a silhouette and then you do have just enough of the chimney in the picture that it looks like he's flying out of like a church steeple or something yeah it's really weird and there's another one behind it that people don't notice because that one that bird is so predominant there's another one right behind it doing the same thing Oh, yeah, I hadn't, didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, so there's like, it's, it's like, you know, the hidden, you know, uh, backward masking on, you know, some satanic album. <laughs> oh, there's another blackbird. The evil, the evil Easter egg. Right, right, yeah. right. It, it's the evil Easter bird. <laughs> so it, it represents you and Todd. There's exactly. Yeah. So it's us guys. But of course, as anybody that, that knows me personally, Adam Hamilton is the glue for every record I do. You know, I mean, he's the, 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 like, you know, Mr. Peabody and, and, you know, in the, with the machine and and the drums and, you know, going, (laughs) what are we going to do? (laughs) Yeah. So I always got to mention him because I can't make these records without him. Absolutely. I was going to mention him because he seems to be rock and roll secret weapon. He, you know, I I have a secret to expose that Uh Adam Hamilton as well. There is a project that I've been uh, dabbling in with uh, Paul Lydell and uh, a guy named Joe, and I can't say his last name for shit. I'm going to mess it up. Cecilia, maybe. Uh, And Adam Hamilton is the drummer. Mm -hmm. Uh It's called Villain Press. We've recorded about four songs together. There's no deadline. There's not really a label or anything, but Adam is the glue. He's the glue. He's the glue. Yeah. He plays on. He plays drums on the last L.A. Guns record. Uh, he was in L.A. Guns as the bass player for a number of years, and of course now yeah. he's producing William Shatner records and stuff like that. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's very. He's got a great gig, and he's he's just he's the guy because he's the greatest communicator. You know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. everybody records remotely now. Yeah, and you know. He he works fast. He communicates fast, and he has great ideas. On top of that, you know. So, um, but anyways, for for Blackbird Angels, um, it came together. Uh, I had finished. I think Frontiers wanted another Sunbomb record, and I'm like, no, I'm not ready to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that music is like you know it's like committing to being in the gym for six months, you know, every day, but, and you have to go, you know, and, and like, I wasn't ready to do that. And they're like, well, you know, but we need, uh, you know, we need to keep you working. You know, I'm just like, I'm like, I don't need to keep working. <laughs> you know, they're like, no, we, we need you to keep working, you know, kind of thing. I'm like, all right. Um, and they're like, uh, maybe you could do an album with Paul Shortino or, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'll think about it, you know, and I'm just trying to avoid it, you know, avoid it. Like, I don't want to do this right now because um, I had to do this L.A. Guns record. And um, so finally, in my head, like an hour later, I'm like, oh, my God, I wonder if Todd Kearns wants to finally do a record, you know, because we had talked about it for like eight years. And it was always like, oh, yeah, we should do a record together. Yeah, cool. Yeah, right. And so before I contacted Todd, I asked the label, I go, Hey, this guy, Todd, he goes, Oh yeah, we work with Todd sometimes. I'm like, 
would you be into that? And they were like, sure. You know, so I just hit him up and, you know, he was like, yeah, you know, let's at least try, you know, like, let's see what we can come up with. Yeah. And it was weird because the LA guns record black diamonds. I wrote that music for Todd first before Uh I committed to the next LA guns record. Interesting. And through some weird alchemy and timing issues and contract issues with Frontiers, um, that they wanted the LA Guns record first, it turned out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, shit, I had just written these 11 songs for Todd. And they're like, uh, no, 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 you know, blah, 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 blah. And so I just, it was a Friday and I had to contact everybody in LA guns. Hey guys, here's the album. And I had to contact Mitch Davis, the guy that writes with Phil. Right. And so I said, there's, there's another twist to this. That's really boring. So I'm not going to bring it up. So anyways, I give the record to those guys and I tell frontiers, I go, don't worry. I'll write this record right now. And so the Todd record that we're talking about today, that took me about 10 days to write and record with Adam before Todd got it to start wow. writing. Wow. That's prolific. So it was man. like, well, I was already in the groove, right? Cause I had just done the LA gun stuff. Yeah. And for me, if I don't write for a while, I just can't write. Wait, hold on. What the hell? No, we still see you. Okay. Um, like, like, if I don't write for a while, nothing comes out, nothing. And then, but when I start doing it and things start coming through, that's a good like period of time where if I keep going, I can keep going. Yeah. And it just lined up that way. So for me, those two, like Black Diamonds and Soul Sort, they're like, you know, a double record for me, you know, musically. And then you have Todd singing those 11 and Phil singing the other 11. Yeah. That, that's interesting. That some- do you think that that's common? I'm sorry, Dave. Do you, do you think that because I can relate to what to what you're saying, but I'm wondering, I've always wondered if everyone was like that when you're, I call it juicy. When you're juicy, you can keep writing and you come up, it can be a totally different style, but you're still right. hearing things in your head, in the shower, in the garage, mowing the yard, you run in yeah. and blur, blab it into your phone or record the riff or whatever it is. Do you, is Todd like that? Is Phil like that? Is, you know, is Ace like that? I mean, I don't really know, but it makes sense because if you understand psychology in, in any form, it's really easy to program your brain, right? Like from negative to positive, from positive to negative, from, you know, this to that to the other. So I would imagine if you're practicing anything that, you're focused on that your brain prepares itself for that. You know what I mean? Like it gets in a, in a mode um, psychologically, but on the other hand, like I think I finished the Todd's record um, trying to think like when I would have finished that. I think it was finished before summer last year. Like, you know, I was done. So I was like, okay, don't have to write anything else for a long time. And then uh, I had to write another Sunbomb record. I had to, I had to, you know, I had to, I have to keep up with 
the workload. <clears throat> and I just started going out with Ori then. And I was like totally not into playing guitar. Like I, I had this new girlfriend, you know, and she's like awesome. And I'm like, hey, I got to do this record right now. And like, I, I don't have any motivation. And she just looked at me and goes, you know, what are you talking about? You know, just go do it. And I went, <laughs> I wrote like the first seven songs in one day, you know? So it's like, I think once you tell yourself, you know, that you have to do something that you're skilled at, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. if you don't have the skills, you know, you're, you're fucked. Yeah. This, but, this makes me want to interrupt you for a second and say, um, you know, it, it, the uh, the phrase you know oh i work better under pressure or or hey don't push me i'll get it done when i you know you know just depends on which part of your brain you're you're standing on the the imagination is a strange uh sort of it's almost like uh you know the voices in your head or whatever it do, is. You, do you feel like uh you know, do that you do. I, I, I'm going to, I'm just going to guess and go, I feel like if someone's going, fuck you, go do it. Like Ori told you, or, or if you just the label going, we need to keep you working, you know, uh, the pressure right. seems to be some kind of not motivational speaker, but a way for you to go, Oh, I'm just going to go fucking do it. And this is what you're talking about, but about, right. The, it's, like a, can, it's like, it's like, it's like, like a trigger. Yeah. Mm. Right. Like it has to be something okay. to trigger because, I've been in the same situation for about five or six years now where there are lots of deadlines for records that I have to write. This is and where I'm taking it. Deadline. If you have a deadline, you're going to make the record. You're going to stay up for three days if or not, or you're going to get seven songs in one day. Like you yeah, said. Yeah. I mean, it, it's always different. And the, the, where I get really lucky is that I only listen to like 20 bands my whole life. You know what I mean? The Yardbirds, Enya, UFO, Led Zeppelin. You know, I mean, I don't have a big vocabulary when it comes to rock, but it's all the good shit, right? You know, Queen and Cheap Trick, you know, like stuff like that. So from one piece is of music Is there anybody another, else? Queen and Cheap Trick? Is there really, there's not really? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, uh, well, you know, if I take this Rick Nielsen riff and play a Randy Rhodes solo over it, and John Bonham drums under it, and Freddie Mercury's, you know, that's how my brain puts the puzzles together. It's that's like the Black all, Diamond. That's the Black Diamonds record right there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it I really know. is. I know. You know, and so for me, it's like I have a a good sized toolbox, but not too big, and I just kind of push the elements around, but it always comes down to the feeling, right? You know, so it's like, if I get excited, right, when I do the demo, you know, then I'm like, all right, you know, I know it's going to be good. Mm -hmm. um, and very rarely will I even start a click track if like whatever I'm playing is like mundane, you know, just like, nah. right. you know, so I won't even bother and wait 10 minutes and something else will come out. But I think though that, um, I did a really cool podcast with uh, um, Brian Fallon from uh, Gaslight Anthem. Yeah. And it was a songwriter's um, like kind of Q&A thing where this mm. guy, Ben, he asked us both the same question, you know, how we approach writing. And with me, I have that luxury of kind of environment, you know, like up here, it's beautiful you know, there's trees and forests and, you know, stuff like that. And in Denmark, I sit in a little room 
with a window where there's a tree and blackbirds and it rains 24 hours a day. Right. So I have that kind of stimulation. Like it's always Led Zeppelin weather, you know, when I'm there and it's always the Eagles weather when I'm here. Right. It's like, okay. But Brian, he says, I have no atmosphere because I live blah, 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 New Jersey, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and then I had brought up to him, I said, yeah, but all your videos um, are in slow motion and they're all love songs and they're dreamy. And, and I go, I go, where does that come from? He goes, well, when I write, you know, that's what I see in my head. <laughs> I said, well, there's your environment. Yeah. Right. You know what it's I mental. mean? So I, I think that, you know, Prolific writers have environment. But the thing is, what Jason said was, you know, once you get going, you get juicy. And so part of this interview was Ben had asked us, do we write every day? You know, like as a practice and neither one of us do. Um, But statistically, people that do write every day stay juicy. You know what I mean? Because they're practicing writing and those are the the writers that actually have more commercial success that make more money are the ones that are constantly writing Mm -hmm. and honing a craft. And I don't know, I couldn't do that. Like, like, you know, because I don't write lyrics. So Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. guitarists always get in a rut eventually. If when you play too much, you know, you can't overdo it or else you just become Hey, look at me on Instagram. I can do all this stuff. Isn't it great? You know, the guitar player's thinking, fuck, I wish I could just come up with a start me up riff. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you get in that rut where you just, you can do anything, but is it interesting at all? And for me, if I play all the time, it's good for live, but at home, if I play all the time and I'm absolutely bored on the guitar, that's a really bad sign. It's interesting that you say that because you, you know, outside of L.A. Guns, you do seem to say stay fairly busy. I mean, we're talking about Blackburn Angels today, but you've done the Sun Bomb record and, you know, uh, and in the past you've done things with, yeah. uh, I know you had uh, something with uh, Ricky Rocket, Devil Devil City Angels. Angels, yeah. You, you did this Gunzo thing with Rudy Sarzo. Uh, and then back in the day, you did Contraband with Michael Schenker and you mm-hmm. did Brides of Destruction. So it seems like you step out of the L.A. Guns uh, role and you always are finding something else to keep up your chops. So I find it interesting that yeah. you say that you you sometimes feel like you get in a rut and you get stale when your your track record kind of speaks in the other direction. You're very prolific right. as far as output. Well, I think I think when I was younger, I was more excited about it, number one. You know, and, I, and when I say younger, I mean, six years ago, you know, 10 right. years ago, 15 okay. years ago, 20 years ago. Now we got off tour, I think exactly two weeks ago. I haven't played guitar. Yeah. And I'm very excited about that. You know, it's like, cause yeah. I know, you know, that we have a show coming up this weekend and then the following weekend, I'm going to be fresh, you know, and, and my brain is probably going to do things on the guitar that I'm going to get excited about while I'm playing live. And that's my, that's, that's what I'm addicted to. I'm addicted to playing live and like kind of letting the guitar do whatever it wants to do. And then I get to go, Oh wow, look what the guitar did. 
you know, that's, that's my addiction. That's, that's what I'm into it. So being home, um, recording and writing stuff all the time, I hit a wall, you know, once, once like, you know, when I was done, you know, with song number 11, it's called the last song mm-hmm. on the Blackbird angels record. Yeah. And I tune the guitar, uh, like the rain song, the live version, Led Zeppelin, because I, I was just like at the end of my rope. I'm like, okay, tune the guitar. I'm it's got like, this is going to inspire me. That fucking song took me three weeks just to make the musical arrangement before I got it to Todd. Mm, I yeah. knew I was out of gas. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, I hear the, I hear the Zeppelin in that song though, specifically the, the rain song. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Cause I mean, it's that, it's that, when you tune a guitar a different way, it becomes a different tonal thing. Mm-hmm. And if you're stealing it from somebody else, then people that are aware of that tuning, they'd be like, he took it from there. You know, I mean, I'm talking about the tuning, not the actual chord changes. Right. It's right. so specific. If you had yeah. an open G tuning, someone might accuse you of, you know, Keith Richards rip, you know? Oh yeah. yeah. All the time. And, and that's fine. But yeah, well, of course, I don't want people comparing me to anything else. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I find it interesting also that you say, you know, you were in this writing mode for the Black Diamonds, L.A. Guns record. And then on the heels of that, you basically wrote this uh, Blackbird Angels uh, album because there's a song on the Blackbird Angels album called uh, Worth the Wait. And the chorus in that to me sounds like it could have easily been an L.A. Guns tune. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, the, the cool thing about Todd is he really loves <clears throat> historically L.A. Guns music anyway. So. And he's actually saying L.A. Guns songs live before with like, you know, uh, uh, Sin City Sinners and things like that. And so he knows L.A. Guns music. Matter of fact, him and Phil are doing a gig right now on the East Coast. Oh, wow. wow. You know, speaking cool. of incest. Um, <clears throat> but no, there are things on there that do sound just like L.A. Guns, even vocally. Um, but I think the music is a little bit even more expansive on uh, Blackbird Angels. Yeah, I I hear uh, a lot of this, your 70s influences in there. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a song also, since we're going to do track by track, we won't go through every song, but uh, I've been listening to the record for a few days and a few songs jump out at me. Um, there's one called on and on and over and over. And I'm listening to that and I'm going, man, this reminds me of what is this that is reminding me of something. And I'm thinking, is it a slow Danzig song? No, what is that? What is it? And it occurred to me, it reminds me of. Uh, I still love you off the Kiss Creatures of the Night record. Really, that's that's uh-huh. interesting because normally I would agree with that because I love that song. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite songs ever. I still love you. Uh, wow. Um, but I kind of agree more with your first assessment of it's got this kind of Danzig, you know, Hellfire. Yeah, I call that shit Hellfire Blues. You know, mm-hmm. it's like. Like, it's just so dark and, you know, so wobbly. Um, and I'm trying to think in that. Cor- yeah, the chorus is what's called a minor six progression, which is the same kind of chord, uh, chord pattern 
of a song like like I Still Love You. So that that makes sense in a, in a in an ear pulling kind of way. Yeah, yeah. I I, I was just agonizing over that because I was like, man, this sounds brilliant. I thought maybe it's Danzig's uh, Sistinas that you know that song yeah. off of uh, I think it's on How the Gods Kill. And uh, and I was like, nah. I started I started reciting the lyrics in my head, and I'm like, no, nah, the lyrics don't fit. That's not it. And then I well, it's it's real. To be honest, it's kind of my take on "I'm Gonna Crawl" by Led Zeppelin. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So, so if you listen to that, you'll hear like the similarity, like kind of the there's like no distorted guitars on it at all. Yeah, but it's very heavy. Yeah, you know, and that's that's uh, <clears throat> Michael James Jackson, the guy that produced Hollywood Vampires. He always reinforced that I can play heavy. You know, I can play heavy music. Yeah, right. That that you can play heavy music without distorted guitar, you know, as long as it's implied heavy, then it's yeah. heavy. Yeah. You know, and that's a great example of that. I like that song. That one stands out to me. And I, I really like Only Everything. Tell us a little bit about that one. That one's a rocker. Yeah, it's uh Only Everything is the typical sell your soul at the crossroads. Uh you know, lyrically, and I'm so glad Todd. That's one thing about this record that I really dig is is Todd was not scared to go places that I wouldn't expect him to go. You know, um, talking about you know the devil and these, the story of selling your soul, and which makes it really authentic to me because he didn't he didn't filter himself. Mm-hmm. You know, so. But yeah, I mean that one's a rocker, and the funny thing is, is it's not that blues based, but the story is really, you know, the Delta blues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and speaking of what to sort of follow on what your thread there with Todd going places lyrically, I think the song is called "Better Than This." Is that the title? Yeah, uh, that one's kind of. Uh, almost sort of heavy, you know, in sort of a philosophical sense, you know, it's very heavy. It's like, he was talking about George Floyd. He's talking about, you know, how people are treating each other in this country, you know, not even on a global level. Like he went right, he went right there. And when I got that song back, I just thought to myself, this is fucking brave, you know, that he, and he pulls no punches about it anywhere on the record, you know, just, you know, how, important it is to be human and humane and you know uh a lot of the things that are right in front of you you know and you don't believe it because you you don't want to believe it or your friends won't think you're cool if you don't believe it or you know and and he went there a few times and um like on the last song um when he says that's a deep one the chorus yeah, it's like, like, whoa, dude, <laughs> where are we going? <laughs> yeah, you know, and then, but, but in in uh, the other song you were talking about, you know, he questions God. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and that's that's like, that's more up my alley. You know what I mean? Like, that's more. You know, I wave the the you know, the, everything's a false flag, man. You know, yeah. Like, love yeah, your kids, love your wife. You know, like I'm that guy. You know, like don't believe in bullshit. You know. But he went there, you know, and it made me very proud. And soon there'll be a, a nice Christian laden sun bomb record. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. The, I mean, the, 
there's there's lyrical themes that I'm hearing on the record that are not what I would expect from Tracy Guns, but this is a Tracy right. Guns Todd Kearns collaboration. So that's right. I think what you're saying is Todd's uh, lyrical input. Uh, it's it's very evident. It's not necessarily there's some really heavy topical stuff in there. Do you mm. not write lyrics at all? I don't. I Have don't. You ever the tried? only. The, yeah, the only recorded song that I'm aware of that I wrote the, all the lyrics to is Big House by L.A. Guns. So um, I probably have written some lyrics since then. I just don't, I don't, I'm not attached to them. You know what I mean? Like, let's say like in Brides of Destruction, I'm sure I wrote a lot of lyrics because we were doing everything together. But I don't remember, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I don't. I don't own words like I own music. You know, it's like music's really dear to me. And I like the vocalists to surprise me and, and excite me. And, you know, I want to hear what they're going to do. And that's that's why, you know, my job making these records is so cool because the music's mine, but because I can support these vocalists in their ideas and what they want to get across. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the big joke with Sunbomb is that it's guns and Moses. You know what I mean? You know, we, we couldn't be ideologically more far apart right. as humans, but musically we're right on the money together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do and you, Todd, Todd's do you give voice. Any, I'm sorry, Dave. Do you give any, talking about the lyrics, do you give any, or when you write a piece of music or even just where it's just parts like a riff and a, and a bridge and a solo section, maybe the arrangement's not there yet. Do you have, you give them working titles? I do. Not just song one, song two, song three, but do you call it, you know, uh, red, red cross on the ground, you know, or whatever you're just making up shit or do you feel like I just, I just make up shit. Like, okay. All right. You know, does that ever, does that, does that, but you don't mean to influence your, your singer or lyric writer when you, when you send them the songs and they're looking at the working titles, do you feel like they are or are not influenced by your, uh, stream of consciousness fuzz and thump and, you know, I, th- I, th- I think that Michael is because like, I don't want to give any of the vocalists I work with, even Phil, like any ideas, you know what I mean? Okay. I just want them to have that clean slate, you know, so I can be surprised. Cause I know these guys are the best, right? It's like, I don't worry about what's coming back. I'm just excited to hear it. I'm excited to hear what they're going to do. But with Michael, um, I like to give him vibes, you know what I mean? Like, so like I recorded this piece of music and here's the vibe that I take away mm. because we connect vibe wise, you know what I mean? Right. And, um, you know, those three guys are so different, you know, Phil and Todd and Michael, it's like almost like a progression, you know, where Phil's like dirty Rod Stewart, you know, who can also wail like, like Steven Tyler, where kind of Todd is got more of a Freddie Mercury, Paul Stanley kind of, thing you know around his robert plantism and then michael is just the flip side of king diamond you know what i mean just like wow dude go (laughs) you know so i can't really tell these guys it's like it's like trying to tell a bass player what to do being a guitar player Yeah, yeah i just don't do it 
Right. Because it ruins it for them. Right, yeah. right. You want them to find their own creative lane and not be. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, then it's not a collaboration, right? Like, if I'm telling this vocalist what to do, that's not a collaboration. Right, right. So I, yeah. I'm I'm real excited for Todd on this record because uh, I think a lot of people are aware, but if they're not, Todd's got one of the best voices in rock right Period. now. I mean, Period. he is an incredible singer, and you know he makes his money as the bass player in Slash's band. Yeah, but as a backup vocalist, he's amazing. And if you've ever seen Slash play live, they usually let uh, Todd sing lead vocals on a couple tracks. And this is a band whose full time singer is Miles Kennedy. So they yeah. trust Todd that much to go out there and handle lead vocals. And he's a phenomenal. Yeah, but he does the Guns N' Roses stuff. Todd. Yeah. Which Todd's is even, the one that sings the GNR. And it's like, which wow. is even crazier. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, they're trusting him with a song that everybody and their mother knows. And he just goes out there and nails it. So Every he's night. An, He's an incredible singer, and I, I love yeah. that he's got this opportunity to shine as a lead vocalist in, in yeah. Blackbird Angels. Uh, because I think a lot of people, you know, especially if you're on stage with Slash, it's easy to sort of kind of be in the shadows, but he's an incredible right. talent, an amazing singer. To, to me, Todd is that guy. You know what I mean? Like, he's the guy that hasn't got his due yet, and I really do think that he shines on this album you know, I can't imagine any any rock fan listening to Todd sing on this record and go, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just can't imagine that. Yeah, he's he's an amazing singer. And it's kind of one of those voices where even a, a casual listener will love it. But if you actually are a vocalist and you listen to it, you're really going to appreciate it because it's yeah. a it's a powerful, powerful voice. And he recorded all that shit himself. You know, I mean, this is the thing is all these singers and musicians have really learned how to become pretty good at, at recording. Yeah. So listen, yeah. when you're, when you're, uh, when you stumble on a riff, when you're in one of your modes where you're feeling juicy, as Jason says, and yeah. uh, juicy Jason, that's his new name, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> I love it. Oh man. We're going to make that stick. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, uh, it, when you're when you're when you're in that zone and you're writing and you're coming up with riffs, um, how do you decide which one is a keeper for L.A. Guns and how do you decide which one is a Sun Bomb or a Blackbird Angels? Because that's the, there's got to be times when you're thinking, oh man, this is really good, but do I put it here or do I put it there? That's a good question, and so I try to go block by block, meaning that I'm not sitting on the couch watching TV anymore, just playing and going, oh, that's cool, right? Because yeah. if I did that, like I used to, then it'd start getting really confusing. So, but there are things, it does happen sometimes. Like if I come up with something and I'm just like playing guitar and it's just really heavy, then there's like, oh, I have, is that some bomb? Or can I do this in LA Guns now because we do do heavy music as well, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but it always comes down to the start date and the due date of an album, what I'm going to draw from, you know? And if something's just speed metal 
and I have to do the LA Guns record, I tweak it a little. <laughs> like, like, okay, I love this, but this is a little too much. <laughs> you know, so yeah. do that. But with 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 uh with Todd, you know, it was full on experimentation because I didn't know what we were supposed to sound like. You know, the 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 whole idea of doing a 70s influenced record was frontier's spin on how they wanted to promote it before it came out it's like everything i do is 60s and 70s influence yeah. you know what i mean so yeah um it just depends how how much distortions on the guitar that kind of <laughs> identifies the sound of each era really you know um because if you listen to into the outdoor zeppelin and you listen to that drum sound it's like so modern now you know what I mean? Like, like that drum sound, it doesn't sound like when the levee breaks, it sounds like John Bonham, you know, in the year 2000, because they just nailed that modern slick 16 K is what it's called. Yeah, crack, you know, where the kick and the snare are clicking and the room verb is tight and the compressors on the whole thing. And that's one of the only albums I think that Bonham's actually stereo room mics too so it's very modern and so the only thing that really identifies from 60s 70s 80s 90s till now is the type of distortion used on the guitar in heavy music <laughs> like that's 90s yeah you know, yeah that's 80s you know but i think most guitarists that are prolific guitar players they're they're going to be influenced by the 50s 60s and 70s so let me ask you this then on uh, sort of on the same topic, have you ever uh, recorded a song with say uh Sunbomb or now Blackbird Angels and Phil Lewis hears it and goes, damn, I wish you would have saved that for LA guns. <laughs> I think, you know, no, <laughs> is the answer. Um, <laughs> He loves the 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 Blackbird Angels album. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, especially when he's had some wine after his show. He's like, you know, Trace, you know, give us a bit of that Todd Kearns album. You know, <laughs> put it on. And, he's, and he just, man, that guy's just the greatest, you know. Yeah. Um, with the the Sunbomb stuff, you know, all the guys are like, yeah, that's heavy. Can you turn it down? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so that's a very specific thing you know right. that doesn't sunbomb there's not a lot of rock and roll to it you know what i mean but but phil you know i mean we listened to you know we went through a thing a couple of weeks ago we just like listening to super tramp and you know kind of gary wright yeah you know we, we had yeah. a couple of those nights where we were like man you know listen to how great the elo you know like all that kind of stuff yeah. That's some fucking and songwriting there, man. All that. Whoa. Shit. Yeah. I mean, Fuck just no. whoa. And also the like kind of the introduction of, of a little bit of electronics, you know, like not yeah. over the top, but just a little, yeah. some stuff. And we were just like going, you know, these we just decided that everybody's clever. You know, like like these guys are clever like this. These guys are <laughs> how are we clever? And I go, we're not. We just play. You know? <laughs> So oh, you're not really you're, you're not really trying to be overly clever. You're trying to get have a, a emotional value in your songs. You're that's trying, true. You're trying I, to connect to to your audience without 
much repeat. I think right. That that's true. And I think uh, you're more clever than you give yourself credit for. I I, I hear things on the. I, on the Abe, I would agree. I I agree with that. I think that every writer, every every musician, just to be generic, I think has, you know, has their moments of. Uh, I was trying to make a joke on clarity, cleverty. You know, wow, uh, cleverty. Uh, and thanks. And, <laughs> <laughs> I should write. I should write lyrics. Uh, the, the, uh, you do. You do. Yeah, I do. I do have to. Well, that's right. That's right. Um, I, I was gonna. I was gonna say. Do you ever? Because this happens sometimes, and not just to me. I know it happens to many, many other people. And I'm wondering if this is come back to you, where you have, you know, you have the, the riff writer and you have the lyricist, uh, whether they're the singer or not. And um, wondering if, like, you know, Elton John ever gave Bernie Taupin a piece of music to influence him to write some lyrics, and Bernie goes, "No, nah, that sucks, Elton. Give me something. Give me something else." Not being inspired by the music, has that happened? Right. Where you give any of your guys, your lyricists, your singers, whoever, uh, uh, you know, eleven songs, and they yeah. send five of them back and go fuck yeah on these five the other ones i need right more. i didn't i wasn't influenced by those um there which, was a time okay there was a time like after when we were writing cocked and loaded mm. and i brought in malaria and magdalene feels like you know it's fucking jazz mate you know what am i supposed to write over this right and i and i <laughs> wow and i would just be patient you know yeah. i go it's going to be great. Like, that's always my thing. You know, it's kind of that the way I disarm somebody if they're overwhelmed by a piece of music. And I always just say, well, it's going to be great when it's done, <laughs> you know? And I've always had that thing with Phil where um, he'll get intimidated if something's a little bit crooked, you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. maybe a chord change is not so common or something like that. But I've always had confidence in him that he would usually once we were in a recording studio after pre-production under the gun, so to speak, he would do it and he would come up with it and we would all support it and say, yes, this is the right idea. How about this? Bam, done. Next. Mm -hmm. You know, so the idea for me is do things very quickly, you know, um, I don't spend a lot, like if, if, if I'm getting off on it, that's it. It's, it's like, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it other than that one song on this new album. You know, I had to have 11 songs and I wanted to do something epic. And so I made the decision that I was going to stay in that tuning. First of all, I had to learn how to play the guitar in that tuning. You know, like what else is there besides the rain song right. that I can do in this tuning? You know, so that was a lot of it and discovering like, you know, how the chords work in that tuning and why do they sound so uh, kind of orchestral, you know, kind of things. And then the next two weeks, it was just kind of about putting it together. I must have recorded at least four or five arrangements, different arrangements of those chord progressions because it was it just wasn't feeling right until it finally felt right. And then I sent it to Todd and he's like, whoa, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, you know, he goes, well, what do you want me to do? I go, I want you to do what you're going to do. And he goes, okay, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. 
And then it came back and it was like that. Yeah. 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 I I was going to make the point earlier uh, when, when you were talking about not giving yourself enough credit. uh, I I feel like, especially the last four LA guns records, I hear a lot more diversity than people might give LA guns credit for you. You're known obviously as this hard rock band, you know, from the eighties or whatever. But I, I, I hear a lot of diversity in the recent records and, but the records are still very cohesive and it's interesting because you've got your traditional LA gun sound, but I also hear black Sabbath. I hear Led Zeppelin and uh, you know, I hear some Rolling Stones. I I hear some punk rock creeping in. And uh, so I I don't think you're quite the one trick pony that you're, you're making. No, 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 I, I don't think I'm a one trick pony, but I think that, that, Here's the secret, really, for for the L.A. Guns records is, is it's Phil is the sound, right? Like Amen. you know, Amen. There's, there's the, yeah, right. So yeah. it's like yeah. the Sex Action guitar sound with Phil. The old fans identify with that, but then there's the casual fan that knows Ballad of Jane, mm-hmm. and they love that. Oh, that that sounds like L.A. Guns. It's like, well, no, it doesn't, <laughs> you know. But yeah. but because <laughs> Phil's singing it, of course it does, yeah. right? Um, so, you know, fast forward, you know, 30 years, basically 30 years when we started this up again, um, I'm more comfortable leaning on my influences, you know, and and amplifying those influences in our music, um, to where I realize that no matter what the fuck I do, if it's Phil, that's the stamp, that's the the, signature. The proof is. So if I want to write the proof is right? the Black Diamonds record. When you hear, the proof is the Black Diamonds record. I think I mean, so. it's the latest record, and you hear this, and you're going, you hear the beginnings of songs, and you might. It says, wait a minute, it says L.A. Guns on the record, and you turn, yep, that's L.A. Guns, and what you're hearing is not, you know, easy come, easy go. It's not. No. You know what yeah. I'm trying to say. I'm not. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all, because... it's all great, but the the point is, Black Diamond's record is now, and. Right. Phil starts singing. You're going, okay. There's L.A. Guns. Wow, this is because it's yeah. spinning. It's spinning a web in your brain, making you think, wow, okay, this is fresh. Okay, like some yeah. some people who are stuck on cocked and loaded, like someone like me, would hear <laughs> would hear because I I love it. Uh, I would hear that and go, um, this is not L.A. Guns, but this is really good. I and right. by the third spin they're going to be this is way fucking la guns yeah whether whether they whether they're leaning on i can't wait for phil to start singing again ah there it is you know because they don't i'm not creating that but you're taking them on a little bit of a ride i think that you you just said it whether it be the, the blackbird angels or sun bomb or guns or whatever i feel like you are you like I said, you've already uh, professed. It's important yeah. for you to be comfortable leaning on your influences that you've had since you were young. That's that's right, and I think you know when 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 I say Led Zeppelin because Led Zeppelin is everything to me, and I and I really re- reiterate that it's not necessarily the songs or the sound or that, but what they they had to do is they had to expand the music they wanted to 
you know, the Beatles were a big deal when Led Zeppelin came in. And the thing that the Beatles had for them, they had harmonies, they had songwriting structure, they had different influences and styles that they could lean on, and they were very prolific writers, the Beatles were. Led Zeppelin had one voice, you know what I mean? Yeah. So no matter if it's, you know, fucking the ocean, communication breakdown, all of my love, stairway to heaven, battle of evermore, it's Led Zeppelin because it's Robert Plant singing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's not because Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones and John Bonham are these amazing alchemist magicians, which they are. That's just the fucking icing on the cake. Yeah, but yeah. you identify the sound of the band as the casual listener. It's Robert Plant's voice. Yeah. You yeah. could say the same thing about Rush. You could say the exactly. same thing about Soundgarden. Yeah. You could yeah, say the same it. thing about Free and Bad Company. Yeah. And almost, almost, for the most part, could say it about Queen. Oh, absolutely, but, you could say but, it about Queen. But, but, the, but even though there are harmonies and, and style, just it's a right. fucking confetti bomb of, of style. <laughs> it, Queen. it really I mean, is. They were, they were writing heavy metal before fucking heavy metal. Yeah. And, they were, and, drop, but, you know, that's they were where, drop detuning the same time Sabbath was drop detuning. And then Sabbath didn't even know they were dropped. Either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this just sounds really yeah, good. They were, right? they were create right because Tony created right. his own because of his fingers. He had to magic. Yeah, you know, it's all about magic, man. Inadvertently yeah. creating heavy metal. Right, right, right. Yeah, he, but I mean Brian May on like you know Prophet Song and fucking oh, yeah. hell, he's just like you know it's just you know and it's just so heavy you know and that but that's. But yeah. when I bring up Zeppelin all the time, that's that's really what I mean is that we're always going to, my band's always going to sound like my band because that singer has that sound yeah. that everybody I, identifies with. I, I applaud, I applaud the, 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 the notice and, uh, and, tro- and the championing of that. I really do. It's cool to hear the, the fucking guitar player say, it's not the thing until we have that guy. Yeah. Well, it's true. I mean, because Maiden, right? Maiden's a great example. I yeah. love Paul Deanna. Me too. Right? And then fucking yeah. Bruce Dickinson comes along and they do Number of the Beast, and it's fantastic. It's a game changer, then, right? Then they lost me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then yeah. it was like, yeah. oh, because they weren't expanding the music so much anymore, even though it's still great Maiden music, of course. Yeah. But they weren't writing different, like Steve Harris wasn't writing different things for Bruce Dickinson to sing. It became a lot of, you know, dun 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 And so it kind of lost me. Same with Leopard. You know what I mean? Same right. singer. Right. Right. But when it got really not as gnarly, yeah. then I was like, eh, it's not as gnarly. And now I don't like Joe Elliott as much because it's that's not a, as gnarly. So I'm going to put Wasted on again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so, exactly. so with LA Guns, yeah. I got to be conscious of that, that I don't go too far away. Yeah. You know, there, there has to be boundaries within the music. You know, like my favorite LA Guns song is Let You Down, which is on Checkered. Yes, I was going to bring that up. Yes. You know, and awesome to me, song. that's Phil Lewis, man. Like, you know, <laughs> I hear that voice. Yeah. That, that's Phil Lewis at his fucking best. Yes. That's it's a so great deep. Song great song yeah 
And I was going to mention, you know, I didn't want to get off on an L.A. Guns tangent, but I was going to mention, you know, I was talking about the diversity in the recent albums. You, you said uh, Let You Down is an amazing song, but I also love uh, Flood is the Fault of the Rain, uh, oh, another, yeah. another Season in Hell. These are very, you know, sprawling kind of, if you will, by, by L.A. Gun standards, you know. They're, well, let's, but, let's, let, let, but let's go all the way back to the first record. And that's where the Blackbird Angels record is, too, is it has those elements, right? Yes. Uh-huh. But we have One Way Ticket to Love on the first L.A. Guns record. True. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Which is just as dark, if not darker, as, you know, Flood is the Falls of the Rain. True. Then, yeah. you know, Uncocked and Loaded, not so much, but Magdalene kind of fills in this, you know, what the fuck is wrong with these guys? You know, where's my straight ahead rock? And Malaria. And then, of course, Ballad of Jane. You know. Yeah. A fucking song that I, I love it, but it's just like Jesus, enough already. And then, um, and then Hollywood Vampires. It almost goes full on in so many ways, like over the edge, mm-hmm. you know, where it's not fast, you know, punk rock influenced, you know, riff rock. Yeah. Um, and then we started sliding back and forth, you know, getting through the next records to here. So. If, like you, if you're really somebody that likes the music that we've made all these years, you can definitely find the similarities in every record. Fair, you know? yeah, fair enough, yeah. fair enough. Um, let's uh, let's remind people that uh, Blackbird Angels started off as you and Todd and and Adam Hamilton, uh, but you're rounding out the lineup for live shows with our buddy Johnny Martin on bass and Sam Bam. Colton from Faster Pussycat is playing guitar alongside you. Um, right. What, uh, I, I mean, I'm not even going to ask about a tour because I think it's difficult enough to put your full-time band on the road these days, but what yeah. what, what might you do in terms of gigs to support this album? Well, I mean, it, it is very difficult. And, it, you know, the reason why, you know, we have Sam and Johnny in the video, you know, the only video we've made so far is because, I have hopes that we are going to be able to tour and do shows. Um, scheduling is the biggest problem, you know, right now. Mm-hmm. But the thing that always fuels any kind of live performance is a demand for it, you know, and as great as this record is, and I know it's a great record. Um, it depends on the audience, you know, like if, if promoters start coming around and saying, Hey, can we do this? And a couple have already, you know, so, but it's got to be more than that. It has to be, we have to look like we're serious about it to make people believe it. Right. You know what I mean? So it's tricky these days, you know, but, but the band does want to tour and we want to tour with those five guys that are in the video. And, and so far, I mean, the album's been well received, but sometimes if you don't have enough balance, like people going, Oh fuck, man, these guys are fuck these guys, you know, because it's, it's, it's a, it's an emotional thing. Like either people love something or they hate it, but if it's too balanced one way or the other, then it's just kind of, it's like, Oh, all right. It's great. But now what, you yeah. know, it's, it's just very, it's not 1977. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. I wish yeah. it was. The um, one last question. I know we weren't going to keep you more than an hour today, but um, uh, you've done a lot of collaborative side projects uh we've mentioned them earlier in the show 
And uh, I know you're a huge Jimmy Page, Jimmy Page fan. And uh, is there anybody other than Jimmy Page that you would love to do a record with? And and I'm going to ask specifically about I know you're a big Wasp fan. Have you and Chris Holmes ever talked about doing a record? No, but he was at L.A. Guns for a minute. Wow. Was he really? How did I miss yeah. that? Oh, it was a minute. That's how. <laughs> yeah, you got to YouTube it. It's like him. They're playing at the Galaxy Theater and he's playing Ballad of Jane on you know, his cool ass guitar, star body guitar. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell he's just like, what the fuck am I doing? And I think, I think he did like two or four gigs or something like that. Wow. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think Glenn, I always wanted to do something with Glenn Danzig, um, but he already did the Elvis thing, Yeah, you know, and that was kind of something that I was thinking like, you know, do this kind of like really dark kind of croony thing that wasn't, uh, based around heavy guitars, but still sounded like, you know, suicide. Yeah. I think that ship's kind of passed. Um, Johnny, Cash, Johnny Cash and Jim Morrison on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah. Waking up on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah. I wanted to do that with him. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I would, I would buy that. I would too. That'd be really cool. But I, I just don't know. I think that the records I'm doing you know, with Michael and Todd and Phil, um, LA guns being my baby, you know, it, it would have to be, cause even when I was going out with Ori, we talked about, uh, doing some, um, like kind of really off brand cover songs that, that were rock, you know what I mean? That, that we were going to like, kind of take it down into like late sixties bill and, you know, cause she can sing, you know, anything you know, and we had some ideas and then it was just like, it's so hard, even when you're in the same room with somebody every day to get motivated to do something while you're already focused on something else. Right. Yeah. You know, so unless it's like the label or something contractually obligating, it's really hard just to like get together with your friends and make music at my age anyways. And in, in my position with, uh, you know, I'm building a car right now. I don't want to fucking play guitar. You know I get I mean? it. That's yeah. Just, it's the truth. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, well, we're really happy for you. I think the new record is great. I think it really is going to be a showcase for Todd Kearns, especially. Um, I, I'm hoping so. I really Yeah. Am. It's a great record. It's called Soul Sort. Is that? Yeah, Soul correct? Sort. Soul Sort. Uh, Blackbird Angels featuring Tracy Guns and Todd Kearns. Touring band includes Johnny Martin. Adam Hamilton. Adam Hamilton's on the record too, I should say. Yeah, and, yeah. And Sam Bam from uh, Faster Pussycat. Um, I wanted to thank you real quick before we go for your hospitality in Houston. I still See? have. I still have this. Uh, you said you don't get a lot of things for free, but apparently you get Jack Daniels for free when you're on. We the get record. Jack Daniels for free. And the guys, <laughs> the guys were kind enough to autograph it for me. There's Tracy's signature right there. I got to tell you, man, I've been lucky enough to have uh, my share of hospitality over the years, but that night in Houston was top five for me, man. That was so much fun. Thank that was you. a good time, right? That was a blast, man. My, me and my buddy were, we had an hour drive to get back to his house from the venue after we got to hang out with you. And we were just over the moon the whole time. I had such oh, a great good. time, man. So thank you very much for the hospitality. Hey, man, any anytime. And the same with Jason. Jason and I have been doing that since like 1988. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you know, that's a, I, pull, it, I pull into town in the back room or whatever. Like, Jason, what's up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But back it's, room, it's, yeah. It's not a. It's not the the cool thing. Just to kind of piggyback Dave's thing that when it's real and you care about you, you, you it's easy for you to make someone's day. Uh, on top of that. Uh, and you should make someone's day. It's it's so Absolutely. easy to just step out and open the door or whatever, however it begins. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it'll always end end well because it's uh, it's it all boils down to one thing, and that's love. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, you that's know, right. And that's everything all is is about love. That's right. And, and, but you don't want to be a whore. <laughs> you know what I mean. It's no, like you, you have to take you have, you have to take care of yourself. You can't be a dumbass and you know. Right. We right. we've been a dumbass plenty plenty of times. Oh yeah, Dave included. With Dave or without Dave, we've been a dumbass. But uh, yeah, right. At the end of the day, doing it for so long and just hearing Dave, you know, uh, still actually have have lingering love for that night that he was treated so well these are things that are in history books these are the things that rock part it's part of rock and roll so yeah. for you to say we've been doing that forever is like that's not an act and it's not no. uh, you're not you didn't do that to, so dave would write a good review of your record you you, no. were, you were like open arms and like oh my god yeah i love dave he's great and then or just yeah. Fans, you just meet that you trust that it's thing, and well, yeah, it, it really takes good. time, right? It yeah. takes time, like to build trust with yeah. people on the road or you know satellite people. But once I lock in with somebody, that's forever. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. It's 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 a thing, and you know because unfortunately, and I know Jason, I know you're going to agree with this. It's like a lot of times you have to put on a happy face, yeah, around people that you don't even know. Yeah. You know, because you don't want to come off as a dick. And and even if you're not being an, a dick and you're just in a weird mood, you still come off as a dick. So yeah. there's a little bit of acting that always goes on when you're at one of your shows. For that's example, not even you know? that's not even your fault. It's like if you if you're yeah. you know, if you have a if you twisted your ankle last night and you can barely fucking walk and someone's going, hey, man, and they're tugging on you, you know like uh, a kid wanting candy from from mom you know you're not right. in the mood to give anybody any candy that's and right so they don't know that they don't know that about you and it's none of their fucking business as to why you might be having a bad time that's but right finding any cell that you can give to make that person's day is really what i'm talking about it's Whether, so valuable yes that's right <laughs> Yeah. It's right. It's right. It was it was really awesome because we we were we left the venue. I was with my buddy Buzz, Jason, you know Buzz, and yeah. uh we got home and I thanked the guys. I sent uh Tracy a text thanking him for the hospitality. I sent a message to Phil and and all of them came back to me and said, "Oh man, we had such a blast with you guys, blah blah blah." Yeah. I was like, "Wow, man, they weren't just putting up with us. They really enjoyed the hang, man." And yeah, it meant so much to me. It's it meant so much to me that it was so genuine and valid and and you weren't I hope you weren't feeling like you had to act that day. You're like, "Oh, finally some dudes we can relate to and just hang out and chill and relax and have a good no, time." I was like this. I was like, "I know how to get rid of Dave. Here's a bottle of Jack Daniels." <laughs> 
<laughs> See you later, pal. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> well, it worked, and you know, so I, it, that, that worked. That was my cue. That's going to be my cue from here. Next time Tracy's in town and I'm hanging out with him, the moment the moment he hands me a bottle of Jack, that's my cue to get the fuck out. <laughs> Actually, we do have we have two cues in the band. One oh. is like you know when somebody's getting loaded, you know they're just beyond. You know, it's time for them to go home. It's like, hey, I think we're out of ice. Like, it just takes one of the guys to say, hey, I think we're out of ice. Oh, that's and a good that, one. Yeah, hey, I think we're out of ice. And the other one is like, like the, the older one, the one before the ice one was, man, I got a stomachache. I need some Pepto-Bismol. So that was the one for the first, like, 20 years. Like, everybody used that one. And then it was time to clear everybody out. But, no, if, if – in, in your case, David, I mean, you know, you're you're just one of us at this point. <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> sorry, mom. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we definitely appreciated it, man. Like I said, that's a top five night. I'll never forget it. So thank you very much for that. Congratulations. Now, so, on- now, so now you can't get rid of him just like me. <laughs> yeah, now Perfect. you're stuck with me. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the new album. Uh, the band is called Blackbird, a- Blackbird Angels. The album is called Soul Sort. Uh, Tracy Guns, Todd Kearns, and Adam Hamilton on the record. Johnny Martin and Sam Bam in the touring band or the live yeah. band whenever they get out on stage. Uh, we thank you for uh, waking up. I, I know I woke you up this morning. Uh, we appreciate you being with us uh, two hours early there in L.A. And uh Congratulations again on on the record, man. We really appreciate your time. On behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with our special guest today, Tracy Guns of L.A. Guns and Blackbird Angels. Thank you, (laughs) brother. Thank you, guys.